welcome to the fifth episode of The Expat Wife. My name is Tina and I'm the host of this show. And today, well, I'm super honored to have a very special guest. Everyone who listened to the last episode probably heard me talking about Sandra. You remember the arrogant lady on the other side of the room? Sandra is here today. And first, I want to say, Sandra, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for talking about you like this, because now I would consider you as one of my closest friends. But here we go. Sandra, say hello. <laughs> Hi, Tina. Wow, I'm so honored to be here today. And uh, well, thank you very, very much for the invitation. And you don't have to apologize because, I mean, this is how our first... Um, Our first meeting happened, and um, I, I don't take it personal, so that's totally fine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so tell me, first of all, um, I know when we were talked once about our friendship or the start of our friendship, because this is kind of an, a funny part, it was mutual, wasn't it? We both, we had the exact same feeling. We had the feeling, no, I, I don't need her, and... Why did you have the feeling that you thought, I don't need her? Well, yeah, it's totally true. You know, I uh, was at a point or in general, I was the kind of expat wife who wanted to stay away from like a German expat wife bubble. I wanted to be surrounded by international women. And that was also one of the reasons why my husband and I decided from day one that our kids would go to an international daycare, international school, and we wanted to be surrounded by um, people from all over the world. Because after all, that was the reason why we wanted to go abroad in order to get to know other cultures. And um, I mean, if we just wanted to stay within a German bubble, we wouldn't have gone abroad, to be honest. And um, also at that moment, when we first met, um, I had been abroad already for nine years. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, you, you probably have made the same experience. If you stay in one place more than just um, three years, then you see a lot of expats come and go because the average expat stays for around three years. So you open up for people and you you have those beautiful, beautiful friendships. Friends become family when you are abroad. And uh, so I was at a stage when, when we first met, uh, when I recently had said goodbye to many close friends who moved back to the U.S., who moved back um, to Brazil and other countries. And like I, at this point, I really didn't want to make new friends because I was heartbroken. And um, we had just decided to stay another two years in Hungary. So we had already been in Budapest for four years and decided to stay for another two. And I was like, well, those two years, I'm going to focus on other things than making new friends. I actually absolutely know what you mean. Um, I think I had this when we lived in China, this constant, you, you open up for the first time and everyone leaves and then you are, you are heartbroken. And last episode when I was talking about her, I haven't revealed <laughs> her name yet. Um, I felt like this when she left. I was like, I can't, I, I cannot open up again. But well, in the end you can. Um, mm -hmm. But you... You said you lived nine years abroad. So where have you been? So until that point, no, uh, yeah. So tell me a little bit. So where did you start? Why did you start? Um, was Were you one of these typical expat wives? Sorry for saying this, but where sometimes husband says, we have to go. Or did you decide together, we go? <laughs> well, It goes a little bit further back. Um, I went abroad for the very first time when I went when I was 10 years old. I um, had relatives who lived abroad, um, like who really like they weren't expats. They really lived abroad um, and uh, immigrated in other countries. And one of them was my uncle, my aunt and uncle who lived in South Africa. And when I was 10, um, they like they frequently visited us and so my uncle was visiting us for christmas 
that was 89. And uh, I told him, hey, Uncle Martin, when, when I'm a grown up, I want to live in South Africa too. And he said, well, why don't you come with me? And uh, to cut the long story short, I did. I went to South Africa to live with my aunt and uncle and cousin and went to the German school there. And I stayed for four months and went back. And I could have stayed longer, but I was homesick. And I mean, after all, I was just 10 years old. Um, I just so wanted to ask, you were 10? Yes. Ten? Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then I... I kept having this feeling inside me, I have to go abroad again. I didn't finish this. I was really like, I was, um, I, I just couldn't stay in Germany. And there was some feeling in me that told me there's unfinished business. So I went abroad again when I was um, in my early 20s. I, I went to the US and lived there for a year in Atlanta and went back to Germany, started to work um, at a, at a big, um, company where I met my husband. And um, the reason why I wanted to work at that company was because I knew if I work for an international company, the chances are high that I can go abroad again. It was always my goal to go abroad again. And then my husband and I met first, we were just like uh, friends for a long while. And uh, when we started dating, we both already talked about going abroad because for him it was obvious that um, he would career-wise once uh, have to move um, to another country, which he really em embraced because he liked being abroad. He was um, raised in um, West Berlin. So uh, when he was a kid, he went to an, an American school, like, well, American-German school. And he, he was kind of raised bilingual. And um, then when he started working, he went on a trainee program to Malaysia. And so he felt the same way about going abroad like me. He also really wanted to go. And we we were like, whoa, we're a perfect match because we feel the same way. Mm -hmm. So it was clear for us from day one that we wanted to go abroad together. And then one day, the company asked him if he would like to go to Mexico. And we were like, well, yeah, <laughs> we didn't have any kids back then. And uh, it was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. We're going to learn Spanish. We're going to get to know the Mexican culture. And so we're definitely that type of expats who went abroad because we really wanted to go abroad. Okay. And I hope it's okay to ask, but mm -hmm. there was no... Mexico? Who? Mexico? You know, now I have all these pictures in my head of, oh, it must be dangerous. And did you get any training or it was just like, it's a, you knew that Mexico wouldn't be as dangerous as it sounds to probably most of us? Um, the thing is that since we're both very open, we are not scared of other cultures or other countries because we know a lot of the things are just blown up in the media. <laughs> But on the other hand, of course, we took it serious. And um, we, there, I mean, we were lucky because we went abroad with uh, an international company that um, does a lot of training for their employees and for their expats. So we actually, before we had to decide um, if we want to take the offer or accept the offer or not, um, they paid us an a trip to Mexico where we could go on, uh, go house hunting. We could, um, like, uh, families with children could go and see, uh, have a look at schools, which we didn't because we didn't have kids, but I was, um, also going to work there. So I also went to my future workplace. And so we had a chance to really see how it goes, how everything works there. And we could make the decision afterwards, which, I mean, you know yourself, usually when you go on that information trip, they already expect you to go. But honestly, I've uh, met families who went on that trip and said no afterwards. And that's also fine. Um, because if you don't really want to go, then it's better not to go. Because I think then um, the experience won't be good if you're if it's not a hell yes. So yeah. we went there and um, 
had a good impression of what to expect. And there were some nice families who um, worked at the same company who showed us around a little bit also in our spare time. And also we, um, when we, when we told the company we're accepting the offer, they gave us some cultural training. And um, so there was one training, which was especially to get to know the Latin American culture. And there was another training that was very like, um, very open, like it was not specifically about the culture, but in general, what it is like to move abroad. And they, they did some training on culture shock with us, which I think is a very important topic. Um, I already knew about it from my experience when I went to um, the US because I also got some training about culture shock back then. And I think that was really necessary. And everyone who goes abroad should know about culture shock. <laughs> This is actually something I would love to talk about to you because whenever we talk, um, You, you mentioned the culture shock. And so when you talk about culture shock, what was for you the, the biggest shock or what, let's start first. What is was your definition of the culture shock? And then what was in each country the mm. biggest shock? Or let's start with Mexico first. And then, I mean, um, yeah. What was your first? Okay. So. The definition of culture shock for me is like, I don't have that graph in front of me right now, but um, what, from what I memorize is you have that curve, like um, you you go abroad and then first you start with the honeymoon stage where everything is exciting and um, you're, you're happy about being abroad and everything is so wow. And um, it's like being on vacation. And then suddenly you kind of start feeling sad you you miss home and you start comparing things and you like you you end up in that spiral like uh comparing everything like this is better at home and that is better at home and you start forgetting that um at home it's not like everything is perfect but in that moment you start thinking like that and then comes the phase when you start accepting the differences and embracing them and then there is an up again and i think there are more phases than that but that is the main part that i remember because that's the part that I usually feel the most and the thing is like um, before I talk about Mexico the thing is I want to go back to South Africa because that was my first experience being abroad and back then I had no idea what what culture shock was because I just went to live with my family and I mean they probably didn't even know um, about culture shock and um so back then I went through culture shock and I felt bad. I felt homesick. And that was the reason why I already went back home after four months. Um, and afterwards, when I learned about culture shock, when I went to the US, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what happened to me back then when I went to South Africa. And now it totally makes sense. And then um, in, in the US and especially in Mexico, when I was aware of the stages I had been in, I, I started to work on my feelings i was like okay you are right now in that phase when you start to compare everything maybe you shouldn't maybe you should think about the things that are good here you know like to i started focusing on the good things and um so that really helped me a lot and i mean with the mexican culture um i mean the it's The main difference between Mexicans and Germans is Germans are super organized and structured and sometimes perfectionist. So it everything and there are rules and for everything and processes. And then you go to Mexico and it's all like people are more laid back. They're not always on time. I mean, barely on time. Like, uh, <laughs> like an, if you, if you invite for a party, And tell people it starts at four. If people come at five, they're on time in their kind of th way of thinking. And honestly, we adapted to that. So when, when coming back to Europe, we had to kind of adjust to Europe anyway. But so Mexicans are more laid back and they are more like, um, in the moment. And, um, for them, it's not so important to have and follow all those rules. It starts in traffic. 
but it's also the same at work. And I think I really learned to um, just adapt and to accept and not to think, oh, everything is bad here, but to uh, kind of question, why are things different here? And what's the good outcome of it? And how can I learn to live a better life kind of um, adjusting to it? I think, yes, this everything you are saying about the cultural shock is what I feel every time we move. And it is the most important thing to be aware of it. I'm actually um, right now in the middle of my cultural depression um, shock, <laughs> you know, which just moved recently. And um, I feel like I'm living in the best place in the world. But right now I'm in this cultural shock and I'm questioning everything. And I'm living in the friendliest country in the world. And imagine at the moment I'm stressed by this friendliness. And when I realized this for the first time, I was like, oh, cultural shock good, lie back, enjoy the friendliness. But I think it is very important to know that there is this phase where you have to go through and don't give up <laughs> because it gets better. <laughs> it Do does. you agree? <laughs> I totally agree. It does. And, you know, that's why um, I think it's best when you go abroad not to just go for a few months the longer you stay the better it gets um to be honest like yeah. i wouldn't i i mean never say never but i wouldn't my goal would never be to just go for two years or just one year like because the first year is really the time when you adapt it's only about adaption and then you start um, embracing it and then you know like the last year when you know that next year we're going to move who knows where but next year we're going to move then on your mind like you start planning the move you start planning like well that's kind of the, the moment like the phase when you met me mm -hmm. even though we knew we're going to stay for another two years but I was already planning ahead I was on my mind not really um building new things in Hungary. So, so, and if you stay longer, then because the first year and the last year are kind of messy. And mm. so the years in between are just the best. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But so now let's go back to, to your time in Mexico. So you, yeah. you, um, so you went there with your husband, you both started working and, um, so what was what, what came next? Because just a spoiler alert, I know you have two children now. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you how did it move on? So how long did you stay in Mexico? Mm -hmm. So um, the plan was to stay for three years, and um, I was working for two years, and um, I had like I really liked working there. Um, I had great co-workers but it was also very stressful um because like there um there was a lot of work and you know since there are no rules in mexico there are certain rules like for instance i had a 45 um hour a week and uh, the rule was you were not allowed to work less but of course you could work more and uh it was actually very welcome if you worked more but uh, the time you worked like the over hours you made like they were your gift to the company it was not like it is in for instance in germany where you can um then once in a while take a day off so mostly we worked a lot like i worked i guess the same hours like my husband we worked like often 50 even more hours a week and it got very exhausting so that was a phase that was really um it was it was not always easy but I have to say, like, we had a housekeeper, so I didn't have to worry about cleaning the house or doing the laundry. And we really enjoyed our time off. And the good thing was that, like, my coworkers in Mexico were amazing. They were super friendly. And this is something that I really appreciated in Mexico, that no matter how much work people had, to do and how stressed sometimes they were they would never send you away when you asked them for a favor or had a question they were always friendly to you and um, 
probably like in Vietnam where you are right now. So, um, well, anyway, so um, after two years, I um, gave birth to our first daughter. She was born in Mexico. And I have to say it was a great experience. I had a really uh, great um, gynecologist. And um, since I didn't, I think it was a good thing that I didn't have a child before in Germany because I did not compare. <laughs> I know from <laughs> other people who had their second or third child in Mexico, they started comparing and they weren't as happy with their experience. I was like over the moon. For me, it was perfect. It was really great. I felt um, safe and everything. And then when she was born, uh, since in Mexico, there there are no options for like, at least back then, there weren't any options to go back in part time or to work at home. So my husband and I decided that um, it was not worth the struggle to um, go back to work and then have a nanny raising our child. So I was staying at home. And that was also the time when I started to have um, even more international friends. Because while I was working, um, we we had mainly um, friends who worked for the same company. A lot of them were German. And, you know, there's this thing. Um, I mean, I I made my best friends living abroad and um, my my some of them or several of them are actually German. So I, I'm glad that I opened up to Germans too. But in general, you know, when you have friends from who work for the same company or their husbands work for the same company, there's that stuff that people ask. So, ah, well, you live in a, in a big house in a nice neighborhood. So is the company paying for that? And, you know, all this stuff starts. Yeah. And I don't like that. That's not my world. Like I, I, actually prefer to keep things apart work and and my private life so that was nice when i um had our first daughter because um you know most of my friends were like either local mexicans or international expats from argentina from brazil from the us and that was really great and i really like so mexico for me was parted in in two like there was part one my working time in Mexico, having more German friends, and then part two, um, being a stay-at-home mom and have international friends. And that was, for me, actually the better part. I'm glad that I experienced both, but that was really great. And um, Mexicans are so friendly um, when you when you live there with, with children. You can bring them anywhere like they're welcome and even if a baby is crying or a little child is screaming around and running around at a restaurant they're like oh how cute and you know like they would never give you those looks you get in germany when you are at a restaurant with noisy little kids sounds like paradise <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely was and so obviously you didn't stay for three years right You had the same experience that you extended longer? Oh, yes, yes. Sorry, you asked that before. Yes. No, no, We, no. It's uh, fine. When, like, um, already after two years, um, when we were like, okay, in a year, we we would have to move back home. We were like, no, we want to stay longer. We want to extend that experience. And so, in total, we stayed for five years. So our daughter spent her first um, almost two and a half years um, or no. Yeah. Like she was born when we were there for two and a half and then we stayed another two and a half. So she was two and a half when we, when we moved and it was really great. We were both very happy that we stayed longer. So, and then obviously uh, you moved because that's where we met. You moved to, to Hungary or did you go somewhere in between? No, we directly moved to Hungary um, because when my husband had his first conversations about what's next, um, in advance, we both said, okay, um, let's not go back home to Germany. Let's try to go somewhere else. And that's what he communicated. And then they offered him a job in, in Hungary, in Budapest. And the funny thing is, in the past, uh, you know, when you talk about with your spouse about um, where you would like to live and places you wouldn't want to live, like um, Eastern Europe was not on my to-go list. <laughs> and <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, that's so funny. But then you know what? I, uh, I just, I've just experienced that. Sometimes you just need to give things a chance. And that's mm -hmm. what we did because we were like, um, you know, starting to get some more information about Budapest. And then we were like, wow, it's such a beautiful city. And then again, we went on a trip before we had to say yes or no. We went on a trip and we went in November. November is actually, in my point of view, one of the ugliest months in Hungary because there's very little daylight. It's all cold and gray and gray and um oh, it was not really the best time to go there but we still liked it we did like it you know like that beautiful european city and i felt a little bit like you uh, you mentioned it in one of your uh previous podcast episodes how you felt when you first saw budapest i felt the same And so did my husband. And we, um, since we already had a child, we went to an international kindergarten and they um, were showing us around. They were very friendly. Well, because, you know, we decided to um, send our daughter to an international um, kindergarten because she already went to an English speaking one in Mexico because we thought, who knows how many times we're going to move to other countries. And we don't know what languages they will speak, but everyone Like in all bigger cities, people speak English. There are international schools everywhere. And so um, we we had a look there at that kindergarten and liked it. And um, we were like, yeah, we're ready to move to Hungary. Wow. So, and then, I mean, from Mexico to Hungary, this is quite a move, isn't it? So you have this, in my imagination, Mexico is always blue sky and... Mm. And then to Hungary. So did you have a culture shock? <laughs> What a question. Of course we did. <laughs> well, the good thing was that um, we moved at the end of March or beginning of April. So oh, we had spring ahead of us and summer. And there's like, since there's barely any daylight in winter, there is loads of daylight during spring and summer. And that was really great. And um, so the weather was actually really, really good when we moved there. And um, I was pregnant with number two. And oh. also that was um, actually fine because I had reached out in advance and funny enough, there's another, um, thing we have in common. Um, I had reached out when we still lived in Mexico to the North American Women's Association because I was I like, okay, uh, I, I thought people are not gonna knock at my door when I move there and say, Hey, great that you're here. I was like, no, I need to, um, reach out to them um, and before we move because you know I had some questions regarding regarding uh, schools or kindergartens I had questions regarding uh, bed for our dog because we brought our dog from Mexico and stuff like that so I already um, knew some people from from the North American Women's Association and they immediately invited me to their meetings where I met really nice people and um, like uh, they recommended me a gynecologist and a hospital for giving birth. So I was in good hands. That was really great. And because I told my husband when we moved there, and this is, goes back to um, my reaction when we first met, I told my husband, please do not put me on an email list or on any list of German expat wives. I want to make my own friends. I want to be friends with people I feel uh, connected to. And I really want to make friends who, um, who are also from other countries like US, Brazil, and whatever. Um, because I was like, okay, um, we... we decided to stay abroad but we're going back to Europe it's like we're already on the way back home and I really want to keep that international community as long as possible and it's 
and it worked. It was really great. We made Spanish friends. We made Brazilian friends, American friends, and they were all really great. And it was a good time because my daughter was still so little. You know, when you have kids that are in still in kindergarten, you have those play dates. And um, then when she was in kindergarten, I went to um, those meetups of the North American Women's Association. So actually, the honeymoon stage was fantastic. It was really great and it was actually pretty long. How um, long did it last? <laughs> it lasted till I would say September, October. So that's pretty oh, long. Wow. Yeah, it um, is. Um, because, but that's because it was summer and then we, we had our second baby in August and, you know, and people were really great. Like, um, but it hit me then in fall when, uh, the days got shorter again, when it got cold. And that's when I really, started missing my Mexican friends a lot in my Mexican neighborhood, not just because of the better weather. It was also because, you know, we like we had so many great neighbors, like it, because it was a gated community. Um, and then in Hungary, we lived in that district where there weren't that many expats. So I had to get in the car to see people all the time. And when I just went for a walk in my neighborhood with our dog and, and our, my daughters, people wouldn't even say hello. You know, like um, I had the feeling that people were very unfriendly and uh, not welcoming. And I felt bad because in Mexico, you went for a walk and you got invited for coffee, for barbecue, and you you talk to people like all the time. And, and there I started to, like in fall, I started to feel very lonely. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not, and I have to say, it's not what it sounds like. It's not that Hungarians are not nice. Like you also said in one of your episodes, um, I've met a lot of really great Hungarians, but it's compared to Mexicans, Mexicans are super open and Hungarians are more shy and more introvert and like they wouldn't do the first step in order to get to know you except when you are at an international school because then they pick that school for a reason right because either they lived abroad or because they want to have a, a more open mind so i now i know it's just their culture and it's not they mean it in a mean way but for me it was just like that culture shock from coming from an from a culture that is super open super friendly and inviting to a culture that is more calm, more um, quiet, and not that open. Yeah, I, I think this is this is what I, what I felt. It's Hungarians are the most wonderful, most funniest people in the world, but it takes one step further than it takes with, yeah, Vietnam or, as you say, with Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe a bit like, like the Germans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's different, and yet that this can kick you into the to the culture shock is is more than understandable. And also, like when you go to restaurants, um, I don't know about your experience, but in my experience, like I was really surprised that the service was not really great. Um, it was not like um, I think the service. I mean, back then, I really, I always have to say that was back then and my personal experience that maybe that other people have made totally different experience. But back then I had the feeling sometimes at restaurants, like they weren't happy that you were there. <laughs> and, and um, well, it, it was just like, you didn't feel that welcome in that moment. Um, and uh, so this... I mean, it was compensated by all the friends that I made and I started to just accept it and also look back at their history. You know, when you look at their history. Yeah, I just wanted to say exactly this. Yeah, because a Hungarian friend explained to me why mm -hmm. this is. Mm -hmm. you, you know why this is, right? Well, I, I assume because they were always like first, I mean, there were the Turks first and then there were the Russians and Austrians, well, Russians, uh, the Austrians before the Russians, who um, who went to Hungary and took over their country. And so, of course, you would, that's what I assume, that's probably why the culture in general is a bit suspicious. This makes sense, this too. 
But this Hungarian friend explained, and yeah. every Hungarian who's listening, we love you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but what we, what I heard was, and it makes sense, that um, during the communism, people had to do certain kind of works. And when you were forced to do a work, you were never happy to do that work. But so people who went to restaurants or shops didn't expect you to be friendly. And so in reverse, nowadays, they, for the people, there is no need to be friendly because you basically go into the shop, you do your business, you leave. Why do you need to be friendly? And this makes sense. I don't know. To me, it, it explained everything. You know, this, this person in the shop is forced to do the shop. People coming into the shop know that they are forced. And so they expect no friendliness. I don't know. I just love this story kind of. It, it totally makes sense. It, it totally makes sense. And, you know, considering that once you start to get to know them, they're super, super nice and helpful. Mm -hmm. It totally makes sense because, and well, and, and it shows that is, I think when you go abroad, you always, first of all, you're a guest in their country. Don't expect them to change for you because you have different yeah. expectations. Because in the end, it's just your expectations, right? I came from Mexico and I expected everyone be as friendly and happy to see you as the Mexicans were. But obviously, that was my problem, not not the one of the Hungarians. They, I was a guest there. So I think when you go abroad, you need to accept that you are the guest and mm -hmm. you have to accept the way of life in that country. And if you can't, then maybe it's not a good place for you. But even if it's difficult, I think it's important to open up and to start to understand and to, mm -hmm. to also to, to try to find out why things are the way they are, not just to say, oh, this is, I don't like this. No, try to understand. And I think one of the most important um um, qualities you need to have is empathy. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, if, if you have empathy, if you're empathic, then, um, empathetic, sorry. Um, if you're empathetic, then you start to understand and then it, your life starts to get way easier. And also they feel it too, that you understand and they open up more to you too. And again, never forget, that at the other side the grass is not always greener <laughs> like that is the the main thing when when i start like while i was abroad when i was feeling like oh i don't like this i don't like it that there the service is bad here in my point of view like you know i'm saying it the way i was thinking at that moment i was like this service sucks but then you need to start to to realize well but back home in your home country, life is not perfect. There are so many things that suck too, you know? And um, once you, you realize that and then start to focus on the good things, that's when, when it starts to get really good. I had this this feeling when um, living in Hungary, I was, and I loved my car and I was driving all the time. And, and, and I was mm -hmm. like, but I always felt like, oh my God, Hungarians, they, they are so aggressive in the car, blah, blah. And then I drove back to Germany and I realized Germans are even worse. <laughs> but, you know, think, having this in mind, in Germany, no one would ever drive like this. No, it's not true. In Germany, they are even more aggressive in the car. And this was one of these moments for me where I was like, oh, yeah, no, the grass greener. And yeah, we don't need to talk about the greener grass, but it is, it is. Exactly. But, oh, and, and in Hungary, I think the people are so nice in traffic like people let you enter and they say thank you all the time like i mm -hmm. you know with the, with the um what is it called the light the um yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah what, the what is that the head, headlights yeah yeah, the, yeah yeah when when they flash them to say thank you i you know i got so used to that and i in the beginning moving back to germany i wanted to do it too and then i was like okay no here people don't do this um yeah so i think <laughs> you you're totally right about uh driving there it's really like people are very um friendly in traffic and hungry I, I, 
I started in Germany, I, it's, I could never could never could stop using the hazard light when I wanted to say thank you. And it took me a while to realize in Germany that means you are in in, in a difficult situation. So yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But okay, so um, you you lived then in Hungary for how long? Well. It was the same like with Mexico. First, we signed up for a three-year contract and um, we definitely liked it a lot there too. Um, when we were through our culture shock, um, I mean, we really had such a good time there because um, Budapest is such a beautiful city and um, the schools and kindergarten were really great. So we had a good time. And then um, we extended another two years and stayed. I know our first contract was four years and the second one was two years. So so in total, we stayed for six years. And I met you after we extended our first contract. So now, before you tell me about your move, because you are now back in Germany, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you want to tell a little bit about... Well, the part which nobody talks about before you go, but I think it is very essential to talk about the move back home. Is it like everything is really greener back at home? How how was this? How was your your time moving back? Because what we didn't talk about at all is that while you were living in Hungary, you set up your own business, right? You became a pretty good photographer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> and you know, when we are talking about all this expat now, we are so in this in this how it was. But um yeah, because you you were you started your business as a photographer, moved to Germany and started it there. But do you want to talk a little bit about this, about your working life, about how was the move? How did you prepare? You know, now we're mingling up everything, but um yeah. Tell a little bit about your business and what were your plans? Um, because you said when you met me, we need to talk later about why we are now friends and actually talking to each other. But um, when you said when you met me, you didn't want to meet anyone because you had made other plans basically to go back. And now we come to your photographer because this is what you started in, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Um During the whole time I was on maternity leave with my daughters, I um, was questioning if I if I would want to go back to my old job one day. And um, I didn't really feel like going back to my old job. First of all, we didn't know where we're going to live, um, if we're going to move somewhere else again. And also, um, you know, I had changed and things had changed. And um, while living in Hungary, when my younger daughter started um, daycare, I suddenly had a lot of spare time. And I'm not that kind of person who just um, sits, um, who, who's just like hanging out and and uh, having coffee with friends. O obviously, I did that too. And I really enjoyed that. But I also wanted to do something useful with my time. And so I um, started um, photography because that's something that I was always passionate about and I wanted to be able to really control my camera to really be able to take pictures in manual mode and uh, it was something I was really passionate about and so I went to London and uh, to photo school and learned all about photography and then I I was like that was my daily business like taking pictures, editing, and educating myself about becoming a better photographer and editor. And I did it really just for my own good. Like I was taking pictures of the kids and uh, of our, like, you know, of our trips and our time there. And um, at a certain point, like that was in, back in 2014. And then um, people started to 
ask me about like if I could take pictures of them and uh, you know I also since I was doing a lot of online classes I also reached out once to a pregnant lady that um, whose daughter went to kindergarten with my daughter I asked her if I could take pictures maternity pictures of her because I kind of wanted to learn more than just take pictures of my own kids and so um, before I knew it like I became kind of an asked photographer because people started asking for my pictures and um, like, it, I mean, it was slow. It, it, it probably sounds like um, I was doing a lot of sessions. It's not like that, but, but it got recognized. And, um, and then a friend of mine, she was like um, asking me, Hey, uh, why why don't you start your own business, Sandra? And I was like, oh, I'm not because I'm going back to my old job once um, if we move back to Germany. But if we move to another country, maybe I'll consider it to start my own business as a photographer. And um, then she was like, well, but why not if you move back to Germany? I mean, that would be great. And then I started thinking and then um, talking to some other friends back in Germany who also had their own business and were trying to convince me that it's actually a great idea to do my own thing, especially as a mom, because it gives me flexibility. And what's better than to make your living with something you love to do? And yeah, so I started to um, prepare for for yeah, becoming a like starting my own business, um, and uh, by by 2016 we knew that we would move back to Germany because we we tried to go somewhere else, but back then they said, well, you've been abroad now for almost 11 years, so now it's time for you to go back to Germany. And I was like, okay, now I need to do my homework. I need to start uh, research. Uh, how do I um, sign up my business? Um, I got in touch with a tax accountant and um, yeah, did all my homework. So by the time we were ready to move back to Germany, I was ready to start my business. I had my website and uh, a great portfolio and everything. And um, that helped me a lot to move back because I was busy. I, I had like a goal and a task. I think that was a key for me to be able to adjust at home. And there is another key, which is the main key, what made the move smoother for me. Because before I tell you what that is about, I, I would just want to go back in time again real quick. Um, when, uh, when, when moving back to Germany from South Africa and from the US, I struggled oh boy did i struggle especially like after south after after going back um when i lived in the us i it took me a year till i accepted that i was back and i realized oh my gosh i'm i went through culture shock moving back to my own country and actually that culture shock was worse you know why it was worse it was worse because i expected things to be easy moving mm -hmm. home i was like well i'm moving back home I speak the language. I know the culture. I know people. There's family around. I have friends there. But no, it wasn't that easy. Like, um, of course, I had family and friends, but they moved on with their lives. Just yeah. like I moved on with my life. They moved on without me. And of course, they were happy that I was back. But still, I was a at a different stage. And also, like, of course, I knew the language, but I adapted to other cultures. And I had all that. Um, experience on my mind like my mind was like that open and suddenly I was back there and it was tough and so we were like oh boy moving back after being abroad for 11 years how's that gonna be mm -hmm. then um, like I, six months before we moved back we went to Austria on a skiing trip and in a gondola, I met a Danish lady. Um, we started chatting and uh, funnily enough, she told me that she also used to live in Hungary and she she even knew the former uh, tenants of our house. So she, she already had been to my house. I mean, what are the odds, right? <laughs> it's a small world. 
The um, world is just tiny. <laughs> it is. It is. And then she was telling me that she and her husband, they had lived abroad for 20 years, two zero, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that must have been so tough to move back home. And she was like, no, actually it wasn't. I was like, what? <laughs> what is your secret? And she said, you know, we realized when, when we, before we moved back that we wouldn't be moving back home. We realized we are moving to a new country, a country that we probably know a little bit, but um, that is totally different from the, what we've known from before. And so we, um, we, we kind of embraced the differences and we were acting or, or pretending like we were moving to another country with the same openness, with the same curiosity, with the same, um, like keeping the expectations low because we didn't know what to expect. And she said that that helped. And I was like, okay. I'm going to take that advice and I'm going to try. And this is exactly what we did because when we moved back, we moved back to the same city, but for the first time, it was not only my husband and I, it was our dog, our daughter number one and our daughter number two. And our daughters had never lived in Germany. For them, that was a foreign country. Like they went there on trips sometimes, but my older daughter used to say, I'm Mexican. And the younger one said, I'm hunger, uh, Hungarian. <laughs> and um, plus our daughters are bilingual. And so at that point they spoke more English than German because my husband and I decided from the very beginning that um, we will raise them bilingual. So he speaks German to them and I till today speak English to them. And so um, for them, it was really a new experience. And so we had a good start. We went, uh, through honeymoon stage because we moved to Germany in summer and the kids were off from school. They had a pretty long summer break because in Hungary it starts pretty early and in Germany school is back on in September after summer break. So they had a very, very long summer break. And um, so we did a lot of stuff and discovered um, my our hometown here um, by by, you know, seeing it through children's eyes. We did like a lot of um, outdoor activities. And then also what helped us was that we chose a school that is bilingual. Um, so first of all, language-wise, it wasn't that difficult for our kids because my older daughter, she started third grade when we moved back and the little one, well, she just started first grade. So uh, third grade was a bit tougher because they already were advanced in German. So my daughter in the beginning took German as a second language, but she caught up pretty fast. And for the little one, it was fine. But it didn't matter that they didn't always get the grammar right in German, you know, that they mixed up the articles and sometimes just translated from English to German word by word, because other kids did it too. So for them, it was really like a good environment. And I was happy because I met international families and international parent moms I could hang out with. So that really helped us. So I think the key is to plan your move when you go back and not to expect everything to be easy and the same. For instance, <laughs> I remember going to the doctor's office for the first time. And back then, when before we moved to Mexico, in Germany, when you went to the to the doctor's office, you had to pay 10 euro, euros, which was like a fee that you had to pay just in order to be um, registered there or like when you had your appointment. And then, of course, your insurance covered the rest, but you always had to pay 10 euros in cash. And then I went to the doctor's office for the first time and I pulled out a 10 euro bill and the lady looked at me and was like, uh, what's that for? And I said, well, don't you have that fee? And she said, oh, no, we don't do this anymore. And I told her, oh, I didn't know because we lived abroad. And then she said, like, well, we we don't do this anymore. We haven't been doing it for or charging it for eight years. And, you know, <laughs> and, and I was like, well, I've been abroad for 11 years. So those are the things. Things are not the way like when you left. 
And this is actually that, a brilliant advice. This is such a good advice. <laughs> yeah. And it makes sense. You're moving to a new country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You yeah. are. And, and that really helped us. So moving back after 11 years with, with that knowledge was easier than to move back after one year without that knowledge. To be I honest. assume so. And I actually have heard once that after five years moving back to your home country, you are as a, you are like a foreigner. Because yeah, mm -hmm. as you say, the country has moved on, you have moved on. Wow. And you know cool. what the different and you know what the difficult part is? Um you are different, you have changed, but people who meet you don't know that because you speak fluent your your um mother language so they assume that you know how how things work there but you don't to be honest this is i will talk about this in a in a much later episode but this was because just for everyone who doesn't know we we try to move back to germany and we lived in germany for one and a half years before we went back abroad um and exactly i often had that feeling that if i because my husband and my children had a much easier life because they obviously both, all the three of them have, have a very, um, they have an accent and I speak fluent German to a certain extent. I had forgotten a few words. Like I could not remember what the word was for, um, the deposit for the bottles, which was embarrassing and all these things, you know, you go, you go to the supermarket and you speak fluent German and say, I have this milk bottle and I need to, uh, uh milk bottle. <laughs> and like, people could look at you like, Oh, she's crazy. And yeah, so it, it takes a lot of explanation. It makes, but it makes sense. Maybe it's a tip when you move back to your home country, have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, Sandra, but we need to talk about us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you and I were full of this, uh, we don't want to hang out with Germans and we don't want to hang out with the Germans from our husband's company and no. And, you know, talking about be open-minded, we clearly weren't. And maybe we need to talk about the story, how we finally became friends, which took us. Now that you say you extended for two years, so it took us one and a half years to figure this out. Did Because I, I lost a little bit a track of timing. So, <laughs> Like when was you it? moved there in 2016, right? Yes. Well, so it was, we overlapped for like one and a half years, I think. Okay, because I remember it was the school offered an international day, something which I hated from the bottom of my heart, because that always meant I had, even in China, I had to wear a dundle and I had to pretend to be very German, which I never was. You see, I don't even have a dundle. <laughs> I actually bought one. And then, no, but it's gone. I bought one for my daughter because she wanted to wear one, but I didn't buy one for myself. In China, I was in so much pressure that one trip when I went back to Germany, I went actually to Bavaria and bought an original one. But yeah, I gave it away at one point. Anyway, anyway, so the lady Stephanie in the last episode talked about her, who shouted around the room, Sandra, Sandra, you need to meet um, Tina was kind of, and we were only three German families in the school, as far as I remember, right? Mm -hmm. And Stephanie told me, that was my side of the story, um, yeah, here, she didn't ask. She was like, you're here and there's a German stall for the international day and you need to do something. She was very nice. Stephanie was a wonderful you know what? person. Uh, but, but wait a second. That was before the international day. That was at an at an assembly because we first met at that assembly that yeah. because at the international day, that was when we started becoming friends. So the, the assembly was like almost six months before, not six months, but maybe four or five months before it, it that was be. before summer break. Yeah. That was when you had just moved. And that was when the, the future direct, uh, the future uh, co-principal or principal of elementary school 
had her um, first day or she was there on a looking trip. Like um. Anyway, I think yeah. we, we first met in spring when we didn't want to um, get to know each other and we became friends in fall. It was fall. Oh, it, then it wasn't that long. Okay. But so Stephanie told me I have to do a stall at the international day because I'm German and I had to sell German sausages or something. And she kind of said to me, yeah, and you're doing this with Sandra. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> so, and then I came to the stall with my sausages I made. And then here you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, well, we we had decided we're not going to um, interact with each other a few months before. So there was that international day, like you just said. And I also made sausages. I think the two of us made those little Nürnberger Würstchen and the others brought pretzels or whatever. And we were like, okay. Um, so we were there. And then we kind of, I think before we started selling food, we were they had an assembly where your son was wearing a British outfit, like, <laughs> and he was dancing on stage and he was so funny. He was just like, he, it was his stage. And I saw you laughing and I saw how proud you were and you were so sweet. And that's when we first started talking. I think I, I told you how great he did and he looks that he looks so happy and that he's such a great actor. And I think, Had he already started the same dance school like my daughter at this point, or was this just the point when he started? No, because I think you told me about the dance school, and then he ah. started. It, it, yeah, so it, it so, he, so it I think it was full it was your son. It was your son um, who we should thank uh, for kind of <laughs> breaking the ice between the two of us. Yeah, and then and then we had to sell those sausages together, and we started talking, and um, I think. It, the thing was like I was about I was in the process of starting my business and you were also like um, doing your work as an artist you, you already had started the art school in Nuremberg and um, mm -hmm. and you were talking about starting your own um, art school for kids and I think that was the moment when we really connected when we realized oh she's not just another German expat wife of the same company no she is like someone who has dreams and ambitions and then we were talking about China and Mexico and we were like oh you're just like me mm -hmm. <laughs> and and it was like and we I, I think we talked a lot that day and we were laughing about our first impression because we both because we shared this yeah we shared this yes. immediately i remember this this one, one <laughs> of the, i don't know within the first hour we we're like i couldn't stand you i couldn't stand you hey <laughs> and especially i couldn't stand the fact that um the other lady i mean i i was not close to stephanie and you know i was just there watching the assembly and then she was running towards me and saying hey Sandra you have to come with me there's a there's a German expat wife and her husband works at the same company like yours and I was like shoot I was trying to hide from other expat wives who work uh, whose husbands work at the same company I didn't want that and I was successful for four years you know and then you came along <laughs> <laughs> but I have to admit since I met you I'm more open. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so it's not it's not if someone says, yeah, that the husbands work for the same company that I say I'm running away. Now I'm I'm opening up more. <laughs> yes. I always have in mind, oh there's Sandra. Oh there's Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Sandra, well, it was, was so Yeah, no, sorry. Keep on and going. that was the, the start of a wonderful friendship because, you know, Tina, I love you so much. And um, and and the thing is, like, we lived shortly together in Hungary and then shortly together in Germany. And uh, but but we are close friends, even though we live far apart. When you went to Vietnam, I was like, well, I was, of course, sad on one hand, but I knew it was the right decision for you. I knew you would be happy there and well 
coming visit you next year. Yes. So, um, and, and, you know, just like we're in touch all the time and it doesn't feel like you're far away. And I just love our conversations and our, how we share our experience and yeah, our friendship is really amazing. So it was worth it. Um, opening up. So that was a lesson I learned giving sausages back because yeah no I, I can only say this back to you I love your inspiration and your joy and how you take things it's always inspirational to talk to you Sandra so much thank you thank you thank you for sharing your story and I don't know I have made so many notes um, maybe maybe I need to ask you to come back <laughs> <laughs> I'm always happy to because to, I have so um, many so many things I would like to talk to you about and I don't know um yeah it would be wonderful and so therefore I would say we close our episode here um Sandra is there anything you want to say <laughs> well I I just thank you for having me as your guest I I'm really honored to be here today because I'm a big fan of your podcast. I think it's really, really great. It's so nice to, to hear about your experience because even though we talk a lot, we talk a lot also about business, but there were some things now that I um, learned in your podcast about you. So please, please keep um, doing your podcast. And um, I'm so curious about all your other guests that you that you have planned. And uh, yeah, just thank you, Tina, for being there. Thank you for your podcast. And thank you for being a great friend. Thank you, Sandra. All back to you. <laughs> and now everyone else. Um, what to say? What well, is what I usually say at the end? Take good care. My name is Tina, and I'm the host of this show. Mm -hmm.